On today's episode... There's no factories around where he lives or lived, but he puts factories in communities like mine because he thinks we don't care. We care. Hello, everyone. My name is D. Watson Jr., and this is Your Local Bazaar. Have you ever felt... Are you listening? Damn. Hello, everyone. I would like to welcome you to this episode of the Your Local Bazaar podcast, the place where small business and communities come together. Here we discuss the big, the small, the who, the what, the when, the where, the how, the why, the good, the bad, and the ugly of entrepreneurship, community, and this crazy thing we call politics. Today, I have a real David versus Goliath story for you. Unfortunately, this is not just a story. This is a real life situation playing out right here in Shelby County, Tennessee. So, what do you do when big business wants to put a factory in the middle of your peaceful neighborhood? You fight back, of course. So let's get ready to rumble! In this corner, representing the McCorkle Neighborhood Association and playing the role of David is Dr. Yvonne Nelson. In the far corner, wearing white bell bottoms with shiny rhinestones with a gross income of over $38 million, playing the role of Goliath is the undisputed king of rock and roll, Elvis Aaron Presley. That's right, folks. A small neighborhood association in the heart of Whitehaven is in a battle with the king of rock and roll for 10 acres of land. I know, I know, I know. It sounds crazy, but it's the truth. So I tell you what, let's jump right into my interview with Dr. Nelson and find out what is really going on. Good evening, Dr. Nelson. How are you doing today? I am wonderful, Mr. Watson. I'm wonderful. And how are you? I am outstanding, ma'am. Um, I, I saw recently that you were, you and your community organization are in a battle, if you would, with a company called Made in Memphis. If you would, tell my listeners a little bit about this situation. Well, I would love to, and thank you for the opportunity to do so. Made in Memphis is a newly formed company that is really Elvis Presley Enterprises doing business as Made in Memphis. So we're really dealing with a conglomerate here, Elvis Presley Enterprises. And everybody knows Graceland and Elvis Presley Enterprises are Whitehaven residents. And my community and I are as well. We live here. They are only interested in making money here. It's kind of hard to move a mansion, even though it has been discussed before. So made in Memphis has decided to enter a contract with Shelby County Schools to purchase the former site of Graves Elementary School. Can I tell you a little bit about Graves Elementary School? Yes, ma'am. Please do. 
Grace Elementary School was built in 1953. And in 1953, my aunt told me the only time a person of color came to Whitehaven, which was a suburb of Memphis at that time, was if they had a rag on their head and one in their hand. So in 1953, this was a predominantly white community. That is not why it's named Whitehaven. That has nothing to do with the name. It was founded by a Colonel Frank White, and it's still Whitehaven. It was White Station. It was one word. It was two words, White Station. It was two words, White Haven, and then it became one word, as it is said now, White Haven. So I'm a somewhat historian on Anna Lee McCorkle, who wrote Tales of Old White Haven, and it was published in 67. It's now in its second reprint, and it's available for purchase. If anybody's interested, I'll give that information later, but I don't know it by heart. Tales of Old White Haven talks about the White Haven community from its inception back in the 1700s. It talks about Pigeon Roost Road, which is the old Lamar 78 highway. And, and it talks about old Hernando Road, which travels from Mississippi into Tennessee in Memphis and on north towards the Nankana River. A lot of history in Whitehaven. And the area has experienced white flight since the 50s, especially in the 70s, when the city annexed Whitehaven and the black individuals like myself began to populate the community. At that time, there were young families who, because of affirmative action, affirmative action and different legislations such as that, were becoming blessed with jobs that weren't just hauling garbage. They were becoming supervisors and managers and having jobs with titles, even though <laughs> they really didn't make any decisions. They still had jobs with titles, and some had relatively decent salaries, and they began to populate Whitehaven in the 70s. Affirmative action, of course, that part was 1968. So as they began to get wealthier and want more and better for their children and themselves, they started purchasing homes in Whitehaven, which was still a predominantly white area. And the whites started to leave. At this time, Elvis Presley was still alive, and I have some former neighbors who may be deceased now, who would see him riding his motorcycle and flirting with the little white girls in Whitehaven and taking them for motorcycle rides. And I would get all kinds of stories from my neighbors when I moved here in 93. It was still a mixed 
community, but it's always been the best kept secret in Memphis. Whitehaven is right here at the airport, and thanks to the former Mayor W.W. Harrington, it's now also right here at the Greyhounds and Megabus Station. It's minutes away from the Amtrak station, and it sits in the middle of 55 and I-240, which will take you north, south, east, or west to anywhere one might want to drive. It is truly a great spot to be in. It is country living with a city atmosphere just right around the corner. So let's go back to Made in Memphis and Graves Elementary School. Graves Elementary School has been there, like I said, since 1953. It had two editions, one in 56 and one in 64. And it's been a neighborhood community school for all of those years. There are a lot of people who went to Graves, both black and white, who had fond times and fond memories of doing so. My son may be one of them. When we moved here in 93, he was in the second grade and he went there through sixth grade. During that time, the vice president of the PTO passed and I was selected to replace her through the end of that term because I've always been active in my community and in anything that my children were subjected to. I knew the teachers, I knew the principal, I knew the parents, and I made it a point to find time to give back to the school and especially the children in the school. So over the years, the community has changed. The apartment complexes have grown old and wary. The owners of some of those apartments, especially Maple Ridge Apartments, has flipped many times, and over the years, that apartment complex had accrued lots of taxes, and then all of a sudden, it had no owner, and everybody got put out. Boom. A third of the school's population disappeared. Around that time, it could have been shortly before or shortly thereafter, the school board, which was still Memphis City Schools, decided to put the sixth grade in what we call middle school in Wisconsin and take it out of the elementary school. I didn't think that was a good idea, but it didn't affect me at that time. So I didn't really make much fuss about the decision. I think that a child that's 12, should not be combined with a child that's 16 or 17 in the same building and atmosphere. But that's neither here nor there. The school population dropped significantly when the sixth grade was moved out. We lost another third of the population. So the next thing you know, the Memphis City School Board decides that the children that are left most of which were coming from other communities because our community had grown up and the children were no longer children in grade school, but often middle and high school. 
and there weren't many families moving in with young children, a few, but the apartments were gone. And basically, it was not nearly as many families with school children buying homes in White Haven at that time. So the population had diminished, the grades had diminished, and the school was determined to not be effective. And it closed at the end of the 2014 school year. That was six years ago, basically. And the school is still sitting vacant. So I bid it on the school in 2015. I bid it a dollar. Everybody knows that the city gives everybody properties that they dispose of for a dollar. And when I picked up the deed, and if you go and do the same thing, you'll see that that's all they paid for the school in 72 was a dollar. Why should I pay $2 if you only paid one? I'd rather pay 50 cents <laughs> if I could get away with it. So I bid on that property and a couple of more in 2015, but I was told that I could not buy the school, but I could lease the school for $20,000 a month. Okay, that's not bad, but the school was already destroyed because the Individuals who closed the school took everything that was nailed down with them when they closed it. It had no AC. It had no wiring. It had no piping. All the copper was removed. It's a shell, but it's a well-built shell. So I said, well, that's not feasible. Who would spend $20,000 a month renting or leasing a facility that needed three times that much in repairs just to be able to function in it. And so I kind of just dropped the whole idea, but I had a multi-purpose, just person-centered, planned community development in mind for that building, which I used self-tucker architects. Juan Self drew a prototype of from an aerial shot of the existing buildings. Very interesting project that I came up with. Million dollar project just didn't have the investment to make it work. Time goes on. Made in Memphis comes up and offers the school board a bid that had outbid another person who wanted to put a school there. Meanwhile, in 2019, Memphis City Schools, now being Shelby County Schools, because Memphis gave up its charter prior to that time, decide, they decide they're going to demolish the building. So they demolished schools all around Whitehaven. Graceland's gone. Rankshaven is gone. Graves is still standing. Yet, in June or July of 2019, here's this contract awarding a demolition to Memphis Wrecking Company for a tad bit less than $300,000. But Rains Haven got demolished. Graceland got demolished. So how did Made in Memphis get a chance to bid on Graves? We don't know. 
And why was I asked to buy it? Or why wasn't I offered the chance to buy it either? And then you want to lease it to me for $40,000 more than you're going to sell it to them. I don't understand any of these things, but they are the truth. And there is proof to prove them. So we decided we were going to try to get answers to some of this stuff. And it seems as if there was a meeting held maybe three years ago now that nobody in McCorkle Road area was privy to. And there was some talk about turning the school into a technical school and putting a factory a training facility at the school and a factory off Brooks Road, which is highly industrial. So no one really complained about that. And we didn't even get alerted to that. Being the neighborhood president, I say we didn't get alerted to it because I knew nothing of it. I've just recently heard rumors about this meeting. There was a second meeting held And I went to the second meeting, but it was not about the school. There was no mention of the school at the second meeting, and therefore I still was not aware of Made in Memphis and its plans to do a school, a factory, or anything else. So April 7th of 2020, the Office of Planning and Development puts out an application signed on April 6th by Elvis Presley Enterprises owner or partial owner, 75% owner, Joel Weinshankner, who has created this made in Memphis business and plans to turn the former site of Graves Elementary School into a two-story 146,000 square foot factory in the middle of this predominantly black neighborhood. There are still white people here. So (laughs) it's, it's just amazing that you would try this when the land is is zoned residential and it's in the middle, literally in front of 20, Houses, 26 on one side and the same number on the other side. These people would open their front doors and look at a manufacturing facility that employs a thousand people a day. We have no idea if it's going to be one shift, two shifts, or three. We have no idea how much traffic is going to be increased because of this. There is no public transportation nearby. There's transportation on Brooks, and there's transportation on 3rd Street, and there's transportation of public nature on Elvis Presley Boulevard, but the school sits on Winchester Boulevard where there is no public transportation access. So are people going to be walking from these other three locations, dropping their trash all along the way? Uh, They do it already in their cars. So now they're going to walk and do it. 
Are there going to be extensive numbers of cars dropping people off because they don't have their own vehicles? And then they've got originally 143 parking spots off of Graves Road. And then they increased that to 168 parking spots because the people who live on Graves Road across from the school or the former school site, they're going to have trouble parking in front of their own home, getting in and out of their own driveways, and it's going to be increased accidents, we know, fatalities, people rushing to get to work, people trying to leave home to take care of their own personal business, and everybody's clashing. And this is not, this is a residential area. This is not industrial land. So on May 6th, we had our first hearing. No, on May 7th, we had our first hearing at the Land Use Control Board. Let me explain that. The Land Use Control Board is made up of a 10-panel appointed government servants. Five are appointed by the city mayor and five are appointed by the county mayor. Those five people appointed by the county mayor and one person appointed by the city mayor. Now, let me take that back. It was four appointed by the county mayor and two appointed by the city mayor who voted to rezone this residential community to put that factory at 146,000 square feet. People, this is like a big Walmart in the middle of this neighborhood. Nobody over here wants that. But they are afraid because it's Elvis Presley Enterprises. I basically called the meeting. And I was rumoring that this was coming, but now it's here. And if we're going to protest it, it's now or never. We started protesting. You couldn't get a word in edgewise, media-wise, because of coronavirus. So I came up with the idea to have a peaceful vehicle protest. I talked to the chief of police, Mike Rollins. I got his blessings. He even came out and looked at us on May 6th. The next day, we went before that panel, and they voted to rezone this land. The vehicle protest was successful because I had created a campaign, and this campaign is still available for anybody who cares to join. My question is, would you want a factory? in your front door. And if you don't, please text the word GRAVES, G-R-A-V-E-S, to the phone number 64600. If you do that, you'll get a link to sign our online petition. There are other ways that are financially free that you can support us, and I'll hopefully be able to tell you about some of those a little later on. But for right now, we had over 300 people who did that in that time frame and signed our petition because 
just like we don't want a factory in our front yard, just like the developer would not build a factory in his front yard, they saw the problem and knew they wouldn't want a factory in their front yard either. But it's even worse than that, because if you allow this land to be rezoned from residential 10 large lots, which we have acre-sized lots out here, to light industrial, it's going to set a precedent, and this will be a ghetto in the middle of no time. There is industry all around us, and the applicant wants to talk about the condition of the school. The applicant had the nerve to ask me why I didn't clean up at the school. Like, it's my property, and I own it. (laughs) And then they lie about the activity at the school to make it seem like, oh, it's such a bad place, and you all should want it gone. And then they talk certain people who can't think for themselves into agreeing with that. That school has sat there for six years and it has not bothered anybody. Yes, we would love to see it open. We would love to see it being a functional facility for the community. We would even take it being torn down, which it was supposed to be demolished in 2019. But don't try to turn the tables on us and call our community a ghetto when you are simply in the process of making it one by trying to put this factory in the middle of it. Whose property value is going to go up with a factory as a neighbor? Not mine and not yours either. We have senior people over here who have worked hard to pay their homes off because they came in when the white flight went out. And they've been here long enough to have their homes paid for. And they have paid for their homes. And they are retired. And they are living on budget. And they cannot afford to relocate at this time in their lives. That would be too disruptive. And living with a factory in the middle of their community that's already bombarded by industry would be horrendous, just absolutely unimaginable. That's where we're at today. Doctor, I want to first of all thank you for um, being a champion for the community and just listening to your, and I appreciate the history lesson um, about Whitehaven, Um, but just listening to you and your an explanation about what's going on, it, it brought up a, a lot of questions, and, and I wrote some of these down. Um, first of all, I'm familiar with the Whitehaven area. I grew up there. Um, but aren't there other properties that are still close to, I'm assuming he wants to stay close to Graceland, that would be more suitable? Like if you go down Elvis Presley Boulevard right before you get to 40, um, there's property over there. I want to, <laughs> um, I mean, and I know there are lots available over there that could be used. So why would he pick yeah. your 
or this neighborhood or a neighborhood versus an area that's already zoned for um, industry? Oh, I'm so excited that you asked that question. That is an excellent question, and thank you so much. Even the paid staff planner, who those six people, and then when we went back before the Land Use Control Board July 9th, five of those people still voted to have this land rezoned because this gentleman is getting a steal of a deal. He is getting 11 acres of land. 10.198 10.198 after they widened Winchester in 72. He's getting 11 acres of land practically, let's just say 10, for $200,000. You can pay that for one house on my street. Wait a <laughs> I, just, I didn't pay that. But that's what he's paying for 11, let's say 10. 10 acres of land, $200,000. Wow. Now, if you go up Elvis Presley or down Elvis Presley, like you said, if you come up from Brooks, there's a spot there at Gateway. Mm-hmm. That's all for 800000 That's owned by some individuals in Germantown who I'm sure would sell it to Graceland for their school and or their factory because I really don't believe that it's ever going to be a school. And if you go south, on Graceland, down past Craft, where mm-hmm. they bought all of those apartments out. Right. And you stay right there past BJ's Hot Wings. There's five acres of land for $1.5 So for him, Versus. it's just about getting cheap land in an area that he thinks he can get it and the people won't protest. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And he... I had already called the gentleman. I already know what address he lists. He's in New Jersey. He actually does this in black communities in New Jersey. I found the address. I Google drove the street. I'm a former mail carrier. I see a mail truck. I zoom up to the mail truck. I zoom up and down the street. I find a black female mail carrier, like we used to call them part-time flexibles or PTFs. These in a regular clothes might be just a new hire, but regardless, she's there with her mail bag. She's at this porch. <laughs> There's a black lady inside the door waiting for her, the black mail carrier, to hand her her mail. And his two-story factory is on the corner down the street. Houses on the left, houses in front, houses down the street, other factories down the street. Does that give him the right? No, because that's the same thing that's going to happen here. If he puts one factory here, another one's going to come, another one's going to come, and getting a president. And it is just a money thing. But now when I look at where he lives, I see a Tiger Mart or Mapco or something not too far away and nothing but homes, nothing but tree lots. His lot was so big, the driveway had big boulders in the front of it. And there was a lawn crew at the time, Google Map 
or satellite took the pictures, the lawn crew was in a double cab, duly extended cab. They were pulling a trailer that was probably 36 feet. And they're coming out with these riding mowers that are humongous. It had to be three or four of them in the trailer. That's how much land he's dealing with. That's where he lives. There's no factories around where he lives or lived. But he puts factories in communities like mine because he thinks we don't care. We care. All right. After this quick break, we'll jump right back into our interview. I'll see you on the other side. Are you listening? This is D. Watson Jr., host of the Your Local Bazaar podcast. If you live in Shelby County, you know our coronavirus cases are on the rise. You also know our children are scheduled to return to school this fall. That means this year's August 6th Shelby County School Board election could very well be the most important election in its history. The decisions made by Superintendent Ray and the school board could have life and death consequences for our families. Now more than ever, we must be informed, educated voters. Before you vote, listen in as I interview the candidates for Shelby County School Board and learn where they stand on the issues concerning our children. Interviews are streaming now on iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Play, Spreaker, and at yourlocalbazaar.biz. I'll see you there. back to the Your Local Bazaar podcast, a place where small business and communities come together. Now, if you're a small business and you would like to advertise here on the show, please give me a call at 901-267-3544 or drop me an email at yourlocalbazaar at gmail.com. If you missed any of that, you can see our show notes below. But in the meantime, let's go back into our interview. I have looked at... Um, some of the proposals that have been made for this property um, that Made in Memphis has set forth. And some of them call for a two-story building, like you said, but they were going to keep, or they, I'm sorry, they were going to turn, if I was reading those plans right, they were gonna somehow turn the school building into a two-story facility without tearing the school down. Now, I, I'm not, I'm not an architectural expert of any, by any means necessary, by any means possible. I mean, but to me, I'm not sure a a 50 plus year old school building can be physically turned into a two story building of any nature because the original structure was not designed to hold a second floor. Amen. Well, I do have two years from the Milwaukee School of Engineering, Architectural Building and Engineering Construction Technology Program, and I know it can't happen. He can pull it on somebody else, but he can pull it on me. There is not going to be a school over there when he has his way. That building is coming down. 
Now, I will tell you that this thing has morphed from back in November when we started asking for a neighborhood meeting to now, and it's still changing. We had, they had refused to give us a neighborhood meeting, and this has to go before city council. So what land use control board voted, even though they know they were wrong and went against the staff planner who paid professionals to do this kind of work? It doesn't matter because it's still got to go before city council. And city council said, if you won't speak with the neighborhood, you won't get this passed. It will be thrown out. So they rushed and have a neighborhood meeting on June 29th, and we blew them out the water with opposition. And I'm going to tell you, they had four people speaking for them, and all four of them were black. One of them is representing Abundant Grace. Fellowship and Dwayne Hunt, who wrote the only original letter of support for this, because the man told me he goes to church every time he comes to Whitehaven. Guess what church he's going to? I'm not stupid. I can put two to two together and come up with four. Going to Abundant Grace and you plopping money into his basket. Of course he's going to support your ideas. Not in his neighborhood. It's in mine. Beverly Robertson, CEO of the Memphis Chamber. What does the chamber do? It brings jobs. But why you want to put it in my backyard to save him money when he ain't bringing us none? How are you helping my children? And I'm saying that in a general term because you claim you're doing this to teach the children. Why are you trying to teach my children how to be 21st century slaves in your factory? You might as well put them out in the field picking cotton because that's exactly what you're doing. Where's the retirement? Oh, you're going to pay them $15 an hour? What black person in that in that frame of mind is trying to save? They're spending $20 an hour and ain't making but 10 because you ain't paying 15 to nobody but the managers. Give me a break. You cannot build a two-story building out of a one-story building, as you say, that's 50 years old. The structure is not fit for that. That right. building will come down. And at the meeting, <laughs> the attorney tried to shut me up like he always does. But this time, our council person in Fort Senior didn't let it happen. He left that man out and told him he was tired of Graceland and their lies. Every time you give them an inch, basically they take a mile. They tell you they're going to do one thing, and when you give them permission to do that, they do something totally different. And that's the same thing my neighborhood understands is going to happen here. That building is coming down, okay. and he's going to put up a monstrous building in its place. Okay, so you so you answered you you brought up a point that I was going to ask you about. Um, and Ed Ford Senior, for the record, Ed Ford senior is the city council representative for the Whitehaven area. For the area of Whitehaven that this is located in district six, that is correct. Okay. He and, is. and, but he brought up a point and that is Graceland is kind of a thing. I use this term with my coworkers. A lot of times a phrase that uh, if you give a mouse a cookie, he'll want a glass of milk. <laughs> And Graceland has done a lot of that. Well, they will come to the council, they will come to the uh, board of commissioners and they say, well, this is what we want to do. Uh, this is what we're going to do. And this is our plan of how we're going to accomplish it. 
And they already know when they get there that this is not their end game. Right. So they, they present this plan, something, and I put in quotation mark, goes wrong, goes astray, needs to be adjusted. And once they've already got permission to do what it is they want to do, they change the plans and they don't have to come back to the board of commissioners. They do not have to come back to the city council to explain themselves. They just make the change and do what they want to do. And, and, and I'm afraid of, and, and I have a lot of people ask, especially people that know me, know where I live. Why am I concerned about the Whitehaven area? Well, there's two answers. What? To that. There's two answers to that. One, my parents stay in Whitehaven and they have been longtime residents there. And two is what you said earlier is what everyone should be concerned about when it comes to this uh, proposal from made in Memphis. If they would do it here, they'd do it somewhere else. Yes, sir. And if you give a mouse a cookie in Whitehaven, he'll want a glass of milk in Raleigh. He'll want a napkin or a plate or something else out in Hickory Hill. And, before, and before you know it, what started off as a little problem, no one has stood against it when it was small. Now we have a big problem. And they're winning. And they are winning. And, and and while we're right here, I want to say this. I want to, you had, I want to give you time right now, and we'll come back to it again later, but I want to give you time now to tell people, concerned citizens, whether you stay in the Whitehaven area or not, how they can get involved and how they can help you and help your community um, organization uh, fight this injustice. Wonderful. I appreciate that. We have three requests out. We're asking people to call and write their council person because it takes seven votes against this to not allow it to happen. I work tirelessly day and night trying to get people to understand it may be my backyard today but it could be yours tomorrow. Would you want to wake up and look at a factory out your front door for the rest of your life? And if you say no, then you better not let it happen to me because if you do, it's coming your way next. Take my word for it. Number two, we have an online petition and the easiest way to get a link is to text the word GRAVES, G-R-A-V-E-S, to the number 64600. Let's text the word GRAVES to the number 64600. When you do that, you get a link on your phone. You have to do it on a mobile Android or iPhone or your computer. That link will give you, once you click it, it will take you right to the petition, please leave your comments. Tell these people to vote no. Tell them to take their knee off this black community. We can't do it alone. We need your help. And you need your help too. 
The third thing you can do, for those of you who don't want to write and call the council, call us. Our number is 901-300-0250. I know that's a funny number, but it's a Google voicemail. And right now it has a message on it that asks you to leave your name, your address, or your business name and address, and state your opposition to this call. Again, that number is 901-300-0250. There are instructions when you call. My suggestion, and most people don't follow it, is to write down why you wouldn't want a factory across the street from your house. Yes, I know you know why, but when you hit that button and that beep goes beep, you're going to stutter. And I don't want you to stutter. I want you to write it clearly why you don't want that in my front yard because you wouldn't want it in yours and they wouldn't put it in theirs. Write it down. Speak it after the beep. Hang up. I don't need your phone number. I don't need anything but what I asked for. And I appreciate any and everyone who does this because it's not just my community. It's Memphis as a whole. Thank you. You talked about tearing down a building and that building, Mm -hmm. I think you said was built in 1953. Um, Correct. Has anyone done an or done a asbestos check on that building? Well, here's my question about that. I did also mention that Memphis, made in Memphis, outbid a young man who wanted to put a film school in the building, and he had bid on it. And made in Memphis outbid him. And one day he got a call from Shelby County Schools asking him to up his bid. He said he wasn't going to get into a bid ward with Graceland because he knew he was going to lose. Okay, so he just took his interest to another facility. I have two things. One thing he said that there was some asbestos in the floor. So if it was asbestos in the floor last year, it was asbestos in the floor in 2014. I'm darn near 60 years old, and I don't mind saying that. But I can remember starting kindergarten in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and they were pulling asbestos out of the school my first year. I was scared as a rabbit. So if they still had asbestos in this school in 2014, sounds to me like we need to have a class action lawsuit pending against Shelby County School for endangering the lives of our students. My son was over there four years, and I want to know if there's asbestos in that building, why they hadn't closed it before now. Why is it still standing and Rains Haven is torn down now? Why is it still standing and Graceland is torn down now? But he did say it was a way to put some sort of a layer over the floors to block out the asbestos. I don't believe there's any asbestos in there because how could they be carrying on holding class if they knew that school had a business in it, it does not add up. Somebody's lying again. 
the the other thing I had a question about was again when you look at the proposal, the term that they use, and I say they, I'm referring to uh, made in Memphis. They use a term light manufacturing facility. Okay. Um, I did a little search into the zoning. Um, That term is not, as he uses it, light manufacturing facility is not a term that is used within Shelby County zoning laws. Um, So I had a question about that, but then regardless of what type of facility it is, manufacturing, whether it's an industry, it creates, I guess my question is, what is it going to make and what kind of waste products will, will that industry building, yeah, what kind of waste products will they have and how will they dispose of them? We have asked all of these questions and you'll often hear me say, quote unquote, there are too many unknowns. They only tell us what they want to tell us. They bash the building the way it is to try to warp our minds into letting them do what they want to do. We keep asking these same questions. Now, I can tell you when they went in the contract with Shelby County Schools for the 200000 for the 11 acres, They said a light manufacturing facility with the intent of making, and this is not a quote, but it did say Elvis Presley memorabilia. So, Chia Dows, have you, things of that nature. What the waste product is, what the process for manufacturing these things are, what the disposal methods are, we have asked for detailed information, and all they keep saying is that it's not a big smoky factory. We don't care. What is the environmental impact? What impact is, what kind of machines are you going to have to put in there? What kind of impact is that going to have on the land around here? We have no idea. We don't know. And he didn't. I'm pretty sure he didn't venture into telling you what kind of noise pollution it would be. Okay. They say it's not going to be any noise pollution. It's not going to be any pollution at all. Why would I believe you? Do I really look like Sabrina Sausagehead? I mean, I just really want to know. Tell me the truth. And even if they tell us something, we can't believe it because they have a record of lying about what they're doing. We have no idea. We have no idea. He's talking about he's going to pay a thousand people $15 an hour and he can't even keep people hired at Grace, at Graceland, at the guest house. Because of coronavirus, everything has changed. How are you going to stick a, a, a thousand people in a factory? So if you're going to run shifts, that's 300 a shift, 350, 325 plus supervisors. That's got to be an awful big building for people to be six feet apart. Come on, y'all. Work with me now. Something ain't right here. Coronavirus has changed everything, but he wants to move forward 
like there is no COVID V2. And it is. You can't do what you used to do today. And if you do, that's why the numbers are where they are today. On the rise. On the rise. Unnecessarily. Okay. So I, I think I think everyone that is listening to this has a good understanding of the problem that you're facing. But now my question is, where do we go from here? What are some important dates that are coming up and what's next for your for your organization? Well, with the dates that's an interesting thing too. We have had to change the date of everything numerous times because they are playing underhanded games. So they got sent back to the drawing board and had to have a last minute neighborhood meeting. Again, Representative Ford chewed them out when they tried to stop our phone trains from playing. The phone train is the recorded announcement one after another that simply states my name is, my address is, and why I do not want this happening in my community. He listened to one of our members who is a black female Elvis Presley fan who talked about this is not of Elvis. Elvis would not approve of this corporate gain over neighborhood safety and security is not Elvis style. And the fan base, and I'm a fan, does do not agree with this facility. He let the next person start speaking on the recording, Yvonne, Yvonne, and I let it play out, and I stopped it. Well, I don't know how many more recordings you have, and Ed Ford lit up. I don't care if she got 10 more hours. You going to sit here today because they didn't want to listen to the neighborhood. They said the neighborhood didn't matter. I'm here today. To listen to the neighborhood. And you gonna listen to because this Graceland and he went on. And then we got through and he said, I'm through. And the attorney said, Yvonne, if you'd like to play the end of the recording, we're ready to listen. I'm like, you got it. And all of this is recorded. You can go to our website and listen to it. So I have no reason to lie to you, but the next date. Well, at that time, it was supposed to be heard August 4. So I put in a deadline. We got to get those calls into that phone train. We got to get those texts to of graves to 64600. We got to make those calls and write those letters to the council. You only got till August 4. Boom, Friday. I want to file an official letter of appeal with Land Use Control Board over their nonsense. And they tell me, well, no, we're not going to take your $150 because it got to go to the city council anyway. So uh, we'll just put your letter in the file with the stuff that's going to city council and uh, we'll see you on the 18th. And it may not be the 18th, but it won't be the 4th. 
but it could be after the 18th. So we don't know when. We just got to stay prepared, Mr. Watson. We just got to stay on our tippy toes. We cannot lay back and relax because we don't know what they're doing behind them closed doors. But we know they're doing something. They're coming up with something to try to negotiate this. They have changed the whole facing of the building. It is now one story. It's still entirely too large. And it's still unwanted because there are too many unknowns. This is a residential area. They are cheating to get it zoned light industrial. You mentioned earlier that's not even, well, light industrial is what it would be. But a light manufacturing facility is something that they are trying to use to describe light industrial. Light industrial, heavy industrial. Heavy industrial is a big factory with towers like Valero burning the gas. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's not that. It's not that. It's not that. It's green technology. It's 21st century. Well, I'm going to turn Whitehaven into the next Silicon Valley. Nigga, you just told me you fixing to put me out of my house because I can't afford to live in Silicon Valley. And $15 an hour ain't going to help. Who are you trying to fool? Let, let me. Where? Jump, I'm sorry. Let, let me jump in yes. here and ask you this question. What are some examples of light industries? Probably someplace that would, now I don't know of any around here. Maybe St. Clair Foods because mm -hmm. they're handling items that are supposed to be edible. Definitely not the 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 manufacturing companies on down Brooks. Right. I think IDC might be one. There's there's one that brings, and it's caught on fire a couple times, it's one that brings horse car carcasses right here on Brooks in 38109, which is our neighboring across the railroad track, stops Whitehaven at the railroad track. I don't care if you all need the road, you ain't in Whitehaven, okay? I want you to know 38109, there's only one little part over off a of two-lane Ferris and Whitehaven Lane, those streets is where the slaves that worked in the original part of Whitehaven on Whitehaven Lane were given land that they had to pay for, so not given, given, to build shanties on so that they could just walk across the railroad track and they would be at a master's house and could take care of their kids and wash their clothes. If y'all ain't with the history... I'm just going to lay it out for you. They were slaves. Cotton, what do you call them? Uh, my folks was that too. They picked cotton. They, they, you know, that's where, that was called Whitehaven Sub. And it's actually on the other side of the railroad track. But that is not considered Whitehaven on Neely Road. And anybody that tell you they live in Whitehaven, if they zip code 30109, it ain't them little streets up there. It, it, I don't consider it Whitehaven, but it is a place right here on Brooks across the railroad track that has blown up a couple of times. That's heavy industrial. Okay. We've got all kinds of heavy industrial. We just fought waste connection. They have a, a waste transfer service that W.W. W. Harrington signed a deed on in 1999 for a million dollars. And they got grandfathered in 
to having that waste and cancer causing stuff killing my neighbors over on Brevard and so on and so forth. We got air gas at the end of McCorkle Road and they just let those air tanks go and they letting that helium and all these different types of gases into the air and people live here. You just see white smoke, just clouds of stuff and people live here. And so they say, well, you're already surrounded by it. So now you want to put it in the middle of us too. You just, why don't you just kill us? Just, just go with IQ 45 and kill all the people of color. Just get on this bandwagon. Quit lying. Quit hiding. Just kill us. Because that's what you're slowly doing by putting us in the middle of all of this nonsense. But I'm not moving to Cordova. I'm not moving to Collierville. I'm not moving to Bartlett. I'm going to stay and fight for my community because I like it out here. We got the best thing going, and they know it. And the 10-year plan is to devalue this property so that they can come back and claim it for pennies on the dollar. All them white folks that left Whitehaven were talking about coming back. And I got a white neighbor that's deceased now that said it back in 96 in an article written by Ron Hubbard of the Commercial Appeal. They wish they had not a left because they had it going on in Whitehaven. We know this. We ain't going nowhere. And we ain't fixing to let this become Elvis land like Nashville. Let the land become Dolly land. Not as long as Yvonne Nelson alive. It ain't happening. And I ain't scared to die. So if they want to come after me, come on. I'm ready. I got something for you, too. You can cut that out if you want to. <laughs> no, ma'am. Not not at all. I, I, I Again, I, I want to... I'm sorry, go ahead. I'm serious. I, I want I'm to... I'm going to fight. I want to thank you again for your commitment and dedication to your community. Um, on behalf of my parents, I want to thank you. And we're going to fight this thing. And b before we wrap this up, I would like for you to once again give out the name of your organization and how people can get in touch with you uh, to join this cause, to support your cause, and just to help fight this situation. Wonderful. We appreciate that. In 1994, I moved in my house January 8th, 1993, and may his soul rest in peace. The realtor, Lawrence Johnson, who we recently lost to COVID-19, sold me my house. His agent was my agent. And then the house next door to me, which is now a care home, foreclosed because the Seventh-day Adventist preacher was taking the rent but not paying the mortgage. Lawrence Johnson wanted to turn that house into a Section 8 house. So my 27-year-old daughter now and my 7-year-old in tow, I started knocking on doors in this neighborhood, meeting all of my neighbors, black and white, and explaining to them what was about to happen to me in my house with my little family. I had not left North Memphis to come to Whitehaven to go back that far that quick. And in 1994, 
We formed the McCorkle Road Neighborhood Development Association Incorporated of Memphis. And no, I did not come up with that name. I did not like that name in 2006. I got the boundaries extended to include all of 38116, which is truly all of Whitehaven. And in 2020, January, we formed under the banner of the Whitehaven Community Development Corporation. You can PayPal us at McCorkle Road, that's M-C-C-O-R-K-L-E-R-O-A-D, or Whitehaven CDC for Community Development Corporation. We need banners. Our banners, I just bought some banners. The wind has torn them up. I don't know what I'm going to do this week. We have financial needs, but we also have non-financial needs. And if you have the heart, we would definitely appreciate you calling or writing your council person to tell them no, take your knee off that community because it's coming towards mine next. No factory at Graves. The project is called Whitehaven Works at Graves. No, no Whitehaven Works at Graves. We can also text the word Graves, G-R-A-V-E-S, to the number 64600. When you do that, you will get a link on your Android or iPhone device that will allow you to sign our online petition. Please put a comment in. We've got 330-some messages out there now. We need that to double by August 18th or whenever they're going to decide to hear this. And the last thing you can do, and we really, really need to hear your voice, we need you to call us at area code 901. The number is 300-0250 and voice your opinion. I don't care where you live. I don't care what state it is. I know they're only going to take into account the ones that are local because they are here elected to represent local people. But this is something that can happen all over the world. And you take nice neighborhoods, and the next thing you know, you've got a ghetto. Our children are already in despair. They don't have proper education, and now they can't go to school because of coronavirus. What is the world coming to? The best you can do is give my child an education that's going to lead them to a factory job with no retirement benefits. That ain't impressive to me. And if it's impressive to you, God help you. These children need to be stretching their minds and being the best they can be and working in some white man's factory. I'm just going to say it. That should not be the goal of anybody's future. 901-300-02. When you call, please have your statement written out, state your name, your address, and your opposition to this happening in anybody's front yard, but especially not in ours. We want to say thank you. It has been truly a pleasure just getting some of this off my chest. And 
I hope I didn't get too emotional, but it is a very emotional, rocky road that we've been on for the last couple of years, and especially since April 7th of this year. Thank you. Dr. Nelson, again, I want to thank you for being a guest on my show. Um, to everyone listening, if you miss any of that contact information, as always, it will be in the show notes accompanying this episode. Again, Dr. Nelson, I thank you so much and you have a good evening. Thank you. God bless everyone. Stay safe. Wear those masks. Put it over your nose. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Mask Not up, under. Memphis. Mask up, Memphis. As we bring this episode to a close, I hope you would join me in standing with the McCorkle community in opposition to placing a factory at Graves Elementary School. No factory at Graves. It should be noted that I have tried and I am still trying to contact Mr. Joel Weinshankner or a representative of the Made in Memphis uh, organization to interview them for this podcast to get their side of the story. If anyone hears this and can help me obtain an interview, with them, I would greatly appreciate it. I can be reached by phone at 901-584-4691. You can contact Dr. Nelson and the McCorkle Community Association at 901-300-0390 or visit their website, iloveshelbycounty.com. If you miss any of that information, it will be included in the show notes accompanying this episode. I would like to thank Dr. Nelson for taking time out of her schedule to sit down and talk with me about this issue and for being a dedicated community defender. I would also like to thank you, the listener, for taking time out of your busy schedule to listen to this episode. I know your time is valuable and I am honored that you decided to stop by and listen. Our theme song, Ever Felt, is by Otis McDonald. You can learn more about Otis McDonald by visiting, by visiting his website, otismacmusic.com. That's all I have for this week. Join me next week when I interview our small business of the month, Detail Pros. Till then, wherever you are, wherever you go, always shop small, shop local. Attention! Dismissed.